0: Right, it's March twenty second, twenty twenty two. My last guest uh, told me that we should just start recording right away because sometimes the fun stuff happens even before the official thing. So, uh, Roy and I are just saying hello to each other. Uh, he is a telecommunications expert, and uh, he noted that my area code indicated that uh, I was from Toronto. So he knows what's he knows what's going on. He is an expert in phone numbers, and uh, yeah. So ah. today, so, so go ahead. <laughs>
1: Well, let's hope it's a little more than phone numbers.
0: <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure you do other things as well. We'll get to that, but you know, it's it's fun to be able to remember phone numbers. My my sister is proud that she remembers our childhood phone number from like 40 years ago and stuff. So four two six
1: two one three nine.
0: That was your childhood phone number. Yep. That's awesome. See, that's the thing, and that's what I think a lot of people these days uh, with cell phones and stuff might not have that joy because you don't die like you, you, probably a lot of people don't even know their own phone number. Like, cause you don't really dial it. It's in your phone and you just tell your yeah. phone, call this number or whatever. Yeah. So, but it yeah. gets hardwired into our brains as kids. Right on. So Sorry. here, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little introduction. Uh, I, this is the theme song and I, I customize it each week. Um, and I, I don't plan ahead. So let's see how this goes. Let's see. Uh, uh, welcome to spark the genius today's guest is roy awsing he's an expert in phones and in the old days phones used to ring uh he created like a company that was worth a billion dollars or he grew to a billion dollars or whatever Uh, it was billions and now he works in branding and he will help you make millions or maybe billions if you want to be optimistic so that's uh that's my Thank you uh, very the, much.
1: They, the guitar was slightly out of tune, and you could have done it in F, which is mm. a better key. But you I mean, I, I mean, other I'm than that, cool what whatever. I, and, I, and just a picky point, it's Osing. Is, can I call you Josh or whatever I call you?
0: Yeah, you can call me that. I mean, Josh, I changed my it's name to O-Sing, Spark. But
1: who's, yeah. who's paying any attention anyway?
0: Yeah, okay. See, I I was pretty, you know, I was sure when I saw the name, like, oh, I know how to pronounce this. I don't even have to ask. It's going to be so good. He's going to be so proud that I pronounced his name right. But uh, (laughs) 50-50, I got it wrong. Wait, I don't even remember what it is now. I probably said Osing, and you said it's Osing?
1: I said it's Osing. You see, that's one of the reasons why you probably shouldn't start recording right away. So the quid pro quo is, you know...
0: There's no, probably the... some housekeeping things that you want to get out of the way before you actually go live nah this is the exact reason I recorded it, because it's <laughs> I think it's more fun it's like you do okay yeah, I, I don't know I mean this I mean this is why I'm not Joe Rogan um, you know he does things properly <laughs> you know, uh, but right for on. me I, I like things raw no um, big
1: deal no biggie I've had that's... worse I've had oozling. I've had osling I've had oh uh, I've some people thought I was Oriental, actually, without seeing me, just looking at the name, right? Yeah. Because they, they, or, they, they spelled it O-capital-S-I-N-G. I
0: mean, so. Or half half Irish and half half Chinese. Oh, sing. Have a go. Have a go, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Or I guess, oh, you could, like, if you split it up differently, you could be like Royo Sing. That'd be a cool name, Royo. That's true. And you could yeah. put
1: the G-H on the end, and it leads you a completely different direction.
0: Right. Then you're Indian. Or... Mm. Is that Indian? Well the reality
1: is I'm Norwegian. My my ancestry is Norwegian, and so that's where it stops.
0: Okay. So have you done the uh you know, like the DNA test and they tell you you're one hundred percent Norwegian, that kind of thing?
1: No, it's too expensive for me. I mean, I can't do it. I can't afford it. So a
0: well, hundred bucks?
1: Yeah, I mean it's hey, times yeah. are tough. You have seen the price of gas?
0: Jeez. I I have, yeah. No, these are uh you know, inflationary times, nothing. I mean, that's the thing when you think about it, like your money's actually worth less than it was before. It's pretty crazy. I should have well, just invested. Well, i tell you one
1: thing. Um, p- book publishing is not a way to make a lot of money.
0: No. So that's the other thing. Well, I, I think, I mean, if when I, when I hear, do you, okay, <laughs> I, I'm starting to realize I quote James Altucher, like, basically throughout all my, do you know him? Okay, so he has a show called The James Altucher Show, kind of like what I'm doing, but he does it well. Um, And he's always talking about entrepreneurship and business. And I think one of the things he talked about was, uh, you know, writing a book, you might not necessarily make a lot of money from it, but it's a tool for other things. Like if people are deciding who they're going to hire to give a speech or whatever, if somebody has a book and somebody doesn't, well, you're going to take the person with the book. Um, so it kind of gives you prestige.
1: It, it's a bit tongue in cheek for me because my, my whole thing is not about selling books at all. It's about trying to change the conversation in the world around business mm-hmm. and, and careers, which quite frankly, uh, I think is dismal at the moment and we can get into that if you want. But so, so I look at this as I've got a I got seven books actually. And all I consider those to be is handouts around my stuff, the stuff that worked for me when I when I had a real job yeah. and hopefully will work for other people if they have the tenacity to actually do something with them. So for me it's yeah, it's not about the books. Um, it's about what's in the books and trying to get people convinced that there are things they should try. Uh, that's what I do.
0: Okay, all right well that's good. Um, and I should just quickly, uh, introduce you, I guess. Now that we're five minutes in, people are like, why are we listening to this? Um, this is Roy Singh, the Irish Asian uh, entrepreneur guy. No, he uh, he was a big business guy. He ran. You were like CEO of Telus for many years, I guess. No, correct? I was
1: not. I, no. I, I I worked my way around the organization and up the organization, have the opportunity to be the president of of the of the the company that was responsible for. Um, getting into the data and internet space and oh. when it was relatively young. And so we had the chance to build the business into what ended up to be a billion dollars in, in, in annual sales, which was which was an amazing opportunity. And uh, we just had a whole bunch of warriors that uh, that got together and, and did it at a time when, the telecommunications business was going through a, a, a metamorphosis between monopoly and competition. So, we had we had the challenge of trying to change the culture because the voice culture is not the same as the data culture. We had to change technologies. We had to change skill sets. So it was a huge undertaking, um, and um, and we got together and did it. and In retrospect, it was it was an amazing accomplishment for a group of people to sort of take advantage of an opportunity and build it into a very successful business. I reported to the CEO, um, and so that's kind of what that relationship was, but but he basically let me do my own thing, which is that's, good.
0: Yeah, that's nice. This, I guess that's the uh, the ideal if you can work at a big company and have big influence, but also get to actually do things and, and, and use your, your brain and make, dif- make a difference.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a large company, but I'd had a whole bunch of sub-businesses in it, which was really amazing. Like some people will say to me, Roy, you've only worked for one company. And that's true. The reality is though, I probably did more than most people will ever had the opportunity to do in terms of different experiences within that company. So I've led marketing and sales. I've led operations where I got to know the importance of frontline people and what customer service is all about. And I was the chief marketing officer and the president of AdvanceCom, which was, which was our data and internet company. So I had a lot of opportunities to move around and, and, and try to achieve and achieve some things with some remarkable people that, that even in a small organization, people don't have. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean the breadth and depth of experience that I was able to, to, to do was amazing. And I'm forever grateful to have those opportunities. Um, so large companies can be really excellent contexts for doing great work and exploring a lot of different things
0: yeah and so I... for
1: anybody out there that that says gee I've only had one employer don't 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 think that's a bad thing that's a great thing the issue is what are you doing to take advantage of it
0: yeah that's all smart because I uh you know I was working at, at big ad agencies for my career but then back in my head I was always like well no it's it's better to have my own thing, be an entrepreneur, actually have control over things. But then I've realized lately, it's like, well, wait a minute, there's only so much you can do as one person. Like even Jeff Bezos needs people around him to do things. So you know, if you if you work at Disney or, or you know or a large company, you can do things that you couldn't do otherwise. Like as an individual freelance copywriter, you know, Procter and Gamble's not going to hand me a brand to to be in charge of. You need the team. So a, a big company that lets you sort of. Do your own thing but also within the context of, of that it's yeah because it, there's a lot of entrepreneurship uh you know promotion these days like gary v like go out and do your own thing like a lot of people are doing their own businesses online and a lot of people think oh am i am i tied down by having a nine to five you know working for making someone else rich working for another company and I, that sort of got in my head and now i'm like wait a minute it was cool to to work for another company
1: well you know for me Uh, It depends on how you define entrepreneurship. Mm. I tend to define it on the basis of having the freedom, degrees of freedom to do crazy weird things and achieve superlative results. Being an entrepreneur, just to call yourself a one man or one person show, for me, is ridiculous. Mm. Okay, I mean, success is measured by outcomes, not by a process. And as far as I'm concerned, um, we had opportunities to be pretty amazing entrepreneurs in a world that didn't call them that, quite frankly. You know, Mm -hmm. we were striving to deliver results in a highly, highly um, competitive marketplace with, at that time, a lot of rules that were working against us because we were regulated and the competitors weren't. Okay, so we had to build a business in the face of that. Now, if anybody tries to tell me that that's not entrepreneurship, I will laugh because compared to what most people think entrepreneurs do, like they don't work from nine to five and they hang out online, blah, blah, blah. I got hmm. no use for that, Josh. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, life is measured by outcomes and performance,
0: not by hanging out, right? Yeah. It just isn't. And A lot I think... like. It, I even just saw an Instagram reel yesterday. Uh, you know, a woman like on her bed working and she's lip syncing something saying, this is my office. I'm in, I'm in bed. I can work. And it's all about, look at me, I'm working from the beach and all of this. So that seems to be sort of what he talks about, even uh, Tim Ferris, four hour work, Week." work from the beach, do your job from the beach. But you're, you're more like, no, 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 work is work. You gotta, you gotta. No, no, I you
1: know? I'm, I'm all for working from the beach. Okay. But I'll measure that environmental condition by virtue of the results you produce. So if you can you can hang out on the sand, and deliver you know yeah. amazing results, then I'm your best friend. But if all you're doing is hanging out on the beach to make a point that you can be free to work wherever you want to work,
0: mm-hmm. then
1: I find that non-credible. I just do. The activity doesn't define the person. The outcome defines the person. At least in my in my frame of reference. Now there are people that obviously. Uh, wouldn't agree with that and that's fair enough okay but entrepreneurs need to deliver and I work with a lot of them as startups and one of the big problems that they have is is the idea that they bring to the table isn't particularly unique and yet they think by throwing money at an idea they can make it successful so you know I try and get them to understand what I call you know, competitive advantage by the only statement which says we're the only ones that. If you can pass that test in terms of a new idea, then you got a good chance of, of, of actually moving it along as opposed to being a statistic of the 50% that die after three years. Okay, so that, that focus on the outcome, the focus on positioning in the market, the focus on being different or being dead uh, is something that I'm trying to advocate not just in business, but in people's careers. You know yourself, I mean, I had to work real hard at standing out from a crowd of engineering people, okay, when this when the world was going highly competitive. And I had to work hard at that to get noticed. I had to deliver results in a unique way, so I would get noticed and people would go, oh, look what Roy's doing, that's pretty cool. Maybe we should work on his career. Um, so the whole be different mindset works in that realm just as much as it works on how to succeed in business.
0: Yeah, a lot of people talk about now that it's, you know, you yourself are a brand, so it's all up and I think, I think that's a great you know, thing to always keep in
1: mind. Seriously, um, yeah, that's, that's the way it, I mean, I've read brand statements that quite frankly make me wanna laugh because they will talk about, well, we provide CRM solutions to small business—that's the brand statement, right? Mm-hmm. So I look at that and I ask myself the question: Why would I choose you versus everybody else that says the same thing? Because that's not a unique statement, and right. that leads me into my my whole shtick around branding: is it's not about you; it's about you in the context of other choices that people have. So if you're if you're a a, a business claiming to provide CRM solutions, what I want to know is, okay, what makes you special? Okay, why should I buy from you and not the 77,000 other people that are in the same business? And that leads me again back to a statement of uniqueness, which missing in brands, Josh, is this Mm -hmm. whole notion of comparatives and standing out, okay? You need to be able to communicate to people why you're special relative to the needs and, and cravings that they have. So it's not about us, it's about us serving them in a unique way. And that's my spin on branding. And quite frankly, um, I mean, I read a lot of, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a textbook lover, okay? Because it promulgates tradition. Mm-hmm. And, and if you read any, go Google branding. And I read, read the article on my blog this week. Go I Google did, brand. I did read it, th- yeah. Good. And so you'll see in there, like per- some pretty major successful companies OK, are, are in my view, missing an opportunity. Yeah, you had Disney home. and
0: Starbucks there.
1: Absolutely. And so, again, like I'm not saying that 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 the brand has prevented Starbucks from being successful. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons why they are. But what I am saying is when one expresses their their position in the marketplace, it needs to be on strategy, as the article says, and it also has to express how you compare to others to give people an idea as to why they should choose you. The problem with it is if you don't do that, you leave it up to the consumer. Mm -hmm. Okay. To make the decision. Why would you want to put them through all of that pain to go figure it out? I mean, your job as a business is to express in clarity, unique ways why you should be picked. That's my thing. And I apply it to everything. I apply it to jobs, brands, pick a, just pick anything going on and i think the same uh, the same sort of criteria applies and and the only the problem i have is and i wrote my original book Josh in 2009 okay uh-huh. this the, the data the content is strong it's stronger today 13 years later than it was when i wrote it and and my observation is the progress of people to adopt some of, some of these simple highly effective performance enhancement Enhancing um, uh, concepts. I mean, it's. Um, I guess I haven't done a good
0: job. I guess yeah. I haven't done a good job. Well, I, it's. Sorry, what was that last part you said?
1: Spreading the word, and oh, I was spreading the word. I just, yeah. I just haven't well, done it well, you'll have
0: to. Tr- you'll have to try harder. But I mean, I guess there's only so many people you can <laughs> you can reach, uh, and in through this podcast, you'll reach probably. Two or three more people, so it's it's all it's all work, so. yeah. <laughs> Although, no, I was going to say my parents, but they don't listen, so I don't yeah. know who. But they, uh,
1: they read newspapers, just like they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing uh, wrong with that.
0: No, it's uh, yeah, they they love getting it to the front door and everything. But my mom's always concerned, like, does anybody still subscribe or whatever? <laughs> so, well, hey,
1: listen, there's a whole there's a whole topic of customer service around delivering newspapers. I mean, there are mm-hmm. really there are there are deliverers that blow your blow your socks off and there are deliverers that really shouldn't have that job because they're not very good at it. <laughs> when you well, break a, it down, that's pretty sick.
0: The, the, it's a bit, we've had that exact discussion uh, with my parents uh, a couple of weeks ago because the, the old guy used to deliver it to their house. Uh, it would He would walk right to the front door and, and stick it through the the, the slot. Uh, but the new, I guess, there's a new guy who just throws it from the sidewalk, and he doesn't even try to get it on the porch. He just it just lands in the snow, and my parents find it in the snow, or or just some some days it just doesn't come because oh it's a bit snowy out, so he doesn't come at all, and he delivers two papers the next day, and and I'm like yeah if you don't even want to do the job, don't do it, uh, or or put in the effort and actually. I don't know. Yeah, so it's exactly well, that. that same
1: person. that same person that yep. throws the papers in the water, they'll yeah. actually leave a Christmas card uh, and expect a tip.
0: Right, right. Yeah, exactly. He'll, that, it's it's going to be that person that's – because I, I would imagine that person's kind of selfish, so they're always like, where's my tip? But the, the nice person who cares about the job is going to be not thinking about, where's my tip? It's more like, how can I provide yeah, They'll, they'll
1: it? just naturally get it. They'll yeah. just naturally get the tip. They don't have to ask for it. Anyway, yeah, th- strange, strange world. I am, um, in terms of my stuff, um, which I really hope people familiarize themselves with on my blog and my, my books. I'm I'm disappointed with, the, with the level of progress, generally. And this is a generalization. I'm disappointed with the level of progress out there, um, in terms of people willing to try some stuff that, quite frankly. Is really simple and it works and the proof point around the fact that it works is the billion mm-hmm. all right I was yeah. asked yesterday by somebody I see they said well you know did, did you did you isolate the various things that you, you did all right and determine whether or not you know how much significance each of those items had on the billion and I said hell no mm-hmm. why would I do that microscopic analysis what's it going to show me all I did is i looked at the revenue line and i said are we ahead or behind if we are ahead i said what's really working well and we should do more of that Mm -hmm. if we're behind i said what isn't working and let's see whether we can change it or get rid of it simple as that this is not a world of regression analysis and predictive equations okay Mm -hmm. it's a matter of audacious leadership putting in place things that resonate with people and light their fires and keep doing it and supporting them and modifying that on the go. I call it planning on the run, which isn't a very acceptable um, concept in today's world of strategic planners, Hmm. right? But, But when you're in a world where things change every day and it's highly unpredictable, you need to have a dynamic planning model. And I call it execute first plan second. And I've created a whole, um, way to plan around that because it, I had to, I developed it for myself as president of this company to actually move things along. And, um, and I find that conversation, unfortunately, our, our y- young people are taught to do planning by rote as a plo- and, and that's largely an influence of academia. And by the way, I got no issue with that, but it doesn't go far enough. I want to take it further than that. Right. But there's no conversation around planning on the run. There's no conversation around heading west as good, fundamental, strategic planning concepts. There's no conversation about pain. Now, pain is a valid concept. Okay, Okay. but you don't hear people strategizing around how to leverage pain into progress. You don't
0: hear that conversation. I want to have that conversation. What does that mean? What, What are you talking about pain? Is that an acronym or are we talking about the physical no, pain? No, it's not an acronym. That's
1: one of the, <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? Must stand for something complex. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Gosh, it doesn't. It Pain is pain. Pain yeah. is, is, is uh, created when people are trying to achieve and they run into roadblocks and relentlessly continue to go forward to execute on the strategy. That's, that's what they run into. And the successful people know how to manage that and use it and embrace it Right. Mm. To give them more energy to keep executing, to get the performance that we need. That's why it's strategic. Nobody talks about pain as a strategy. If you check my blogs and go on and go search the blogs, I talk about the strategic concept of pain and why it's so important to hire people with a high pain tolerance because they will be. I don't want people when they run into a roadblock to fall back. Hmm. I don't. And generally people, I shouldn't say generally, a lot of people do. They run into what they think is an immovable object. And instead of trying to figure out how to go through it or around it over top of it, they fall back and say, oh, shucks. Damn, mm. I've run into a roadblock. I can't yeah. do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, I guess I shouldn't get into politics, but have you have you been following the Disney situation right now?
1: I try not to.
0: Yeah. Any? Well, there it might not even be related exactly to what you're talking about but the new ceo of disney um i guess was seen as a bit more or he's he's considered more conservative than bob iger was so uh but there's a lot of senior people that are very progressive still and they've been pressuring him to come out against the new florida uh oh yeah yeah all that the gay rights and, thing yeah yeah and then apparently he wanted to stay neutral but then he was pressured to 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 come, af- to come out against it, so he came out against a bit, but now they're really pushing hard. So he's kind of, he's just caving. I don't no, know if that's it's a, not a, really a business thing, but it's not the same thing at all. No, yeah, not okay, so thing bad all. example. Well, but it... but I guess what what would be an example? Like I guess if you're trying to sell a detergent, and no, it's not it's working. Simple,
1: the simple example would be if if you're trying to introduce at the fund, at a very low level. It, if you're trying to introduce a new product, yeah, all right and you're in an organization and you're running into a lot of difficulty moving it through. Okay. The organization to actually get it to market and that happens all the time. It happens with technical people. It happens with systems people. It happens with advertising people. It happens with basically every function. You're going to run into pain points, pressure points, complex, where they stop you. Okay. So, so your end result, which is to get, get this product to market, by March the 15th, that's in jeopardy. And that's what you're going to be measured on. Like I didn't care what the problems were. Your job was to solve the problems, push it through and get to market by the 15th. People, when people run into those roadblocks, I call it their pain points.
0: Hmm.
1: I want people that can suffer the pain and move it through. And I, I look around and I say, well, there's too much willingness to back off. There's too much willingness to avoid confrontation there's too much willingness to avoid conflict okay when the outcome is there and it's a valid one and it needs to be it needs to be achieved because the rest of the world in this case the organization is relying on you to get this thing through you, yeah you can't you can't go to your safe room dude
0: yeah well it's yeah funny you mentioned safe room you know like because the whole th- this conversation was making me think about How people are these days with needing their safe spaces like kind of like if anything pushes back or people are avoiding they don't want to be offended they don't want to the second something happens people want to say well i'm a victim the world is against me the world is evil everybody's awful rather than okay here's the situation how do i get around this you know whether it's true or not that the world's against you you're you know you're not going to change the entire earth so what do you need to do to get to your goal and do what you can that's exactly in, in, right in the real world that's
1: exactly that's exactly it's a great description of the circumstances that that we find ourselves in and again i'm not chastising that i'm just saying that's the way it is um and it does represent a challenge okay to actually get things done all right yeah. and that's where i all go to i mean i'm not i'm not talking sitting here talking to you about things that i've done and we haven't really got into that yet but things like cut the crap things like killing dumb rules. I'm, really cool ideas. They're strategic. All right. I'm not saying that they're right just to, because they're cute. Yeah. Don't ever think that. Okay. I'd relied on these fundamental things to actually deliver superlative results. And if I didn't believe that the concept was instrumental in helping me get to those results, I wouldn't have done it. Okay. So, so there's a lot of people say, Roy, well, yeah, yeah. You talk about hiring for goosebumps. That's just a cute idea, right? No, because mm-hmm. it's all about hiring the right people with the right skills to keep loyal customers and drive revenue. Mm-hmm. That's how we got to the billion, by doing a whole bunch of that stuff. Not the silver bullet stuff, not, not, not the prescribed, formulaized solution that you find in textbooks, business books. No, basic human stuff where you can engage the fire in somebody's gut to do something and do it well and do it fast and move on to the next and push through. We Mm -hmm. need people to push through.
0: Right. It's it's, like all of this is making me think different things. Like, for example, I was listening to a podcast this week about um, how do people do things. Like most people don't know how they do things. Like an athlete couldn't describe to you Here's exactly how I take a basketball shot and I have to be six feet from this person and wait until there's a clear line. Like, you just do it. Like, some people need to, an athlete or almost anyone, an actor, you have to trust your gut. A lot of this stuff is your gut and you just sort of adapt and and you do it. But it's not about, let me write down the exact process. So So that's one thought I was thinking. And then the second thought I was thinking when you were talking about, like, the... You know, having a statement where you're the only something, I guess at P&G and a lot of brands, it used to be called USP, Unique Selling Propositions. You wouldn't have a brand like Cheer Detergent without knowing, well, why would I buy Cheer over Gain Detergent? Well, Cheer is the one that uh, protects your colors. Gain is the one that smells great. And Okay, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. I,
1: I can't let you keep going on this stuff. I've looked at USPs. You go look at a USP, okay? Yeah. And ask, tell me if it passes the only statement criteria. It may talk about what you think you're unique, you're unique at in terms of the colors that you just mentioned. But yeah. my question is, well, hang on a sec. I've. What about the other detergents? Mm-hmm. What do they do? Why are you yeah. so different than the other detergents? Who, quite frankly, claim the same thing and they spin it differently. So, I, interestingly, you should mention that because two days ago I had a, just a super conversation with somebody else around. Around this branding and USP, et cetera, et cetera, and 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 I had them just Google it and pull out some stuff and just tell me if it passes the only statement litmus test, mm-hmm. that stuff. And the reality is, most of it won't. And I'm not saying it's bad, okay, but it yeah. doesn't go far enough, right? If if it, if if the difference, if the difference between you and your competitors doesn't jump out from the USP. It means you need to do some more work on it. You need to get your thoughts a little clearer in terms of what makes you special. And the problem is, I see too much aspirational platitudes in this work because it's hard to define what you're special at. It's hard to define uniqueness. It requires guidance and assistance, right? And cajoling, right? It doesn't require you to look at a brand textbook is my point, it requires more than that.
0: Okay, yeah, that's,
1: that's the brand piece. Now, okay. what was the other piece you made? Because I want uh, to go, comment on that.
0: Go, going, first part. sort oh. of going with your gut. Like, yes, not like, okay. let me, yeah.
1: Yeah, excellent observation. And it's, that's exactly the state you want to get into. Now, uh, from my experience, the question is, what, why is it that in this particular, in this particular sort of environment of, of pushing projects or working on projects and, and, and advancing relationships and all this kind of stuff. Why is it that people don't react automatically? Oh, well, there's a couple of observations I have. First of all, um, they've never been taught that it's okay to do that. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's all these, there's these narratives that surround the environment, right? That are affecting them. Don't hurt somebody's feelings right, communicate, blah, blah, blah. And there's all of these psychological kinds of dynamics that affect what people do. So they're spending so much time in their head, Josh, Hmm. that they don't have time to respond the way maybe they otherwise would, okay? The other thing is our our education system doesn't teach that. It just doesn't. And again, I'm not, that's fine. It is what it is, but it doesn't go far enough right, it teaches that there's a right solution. It teaches that you can formularize practically anything. I mean, hell, I, I didn't use regression analysis to, to, to develop revenue budgets. You know why? I don't even know what regression analysis is. Okay, it's a math thing, right, that takes a whole bunch of independent variables, right, and has the audacity to assume that you understand that if you put those together in a certain way, a specific outcome will occur. And a lot of people use it to develop forecasts, right? So it could be independent variables, could be, you know, economic growth, market share and all this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of them. And they run it through a computer model and out comes a prediction that your revenues based on all these assumptions will be this. Right. Guess what? It's never even close because the assumptions are impossible to quantify. And yet we spend a lot of time actually trying to do that. And so I never, I never paid a whole lot of attention to that. The other thing that it does is it eliminates the need to innovate. Like if you think you know how to achieve something, what motivation do you have to do anything different? You don't. Yeah, yeah. So well, the, I- unknown, the unknown is the biggest driver of innovation out there. And I use that. Because I said, we're going for this. We have no idea how we're going to get there. Let's innovate and create and figure it out. That's what we did. I mean, we didn't use mathematical models stuff like that. But it works. And I think there's too much of that going on to answer your question. About why do people not have the freedom or feel they have the freedom to kind of react and do these sorts of things that inside might feel right? It's all these constraints that that they uh, that they feel are being imposed on them that prevent them from acting the way they want that's just my view uh, i just think there's so much going on right now that's inhibiting people's ability to do the natural stuff
0: hmm well i mean part of it i guess if we're talking about a big company might be the culture of the company like you know i don't know exactly what it's like at procter and gamble i haven't worked for them for 6 or 7 years but you know for example or, or any of these big companies I would do writing for like Visa or Kelloggs or whatever they've got their process, and I guess the process is there I mean, to to try to mitigate risk and and also to have um, you know you, then you have accountability if you or you avoid blame I guess if, if you do a commercial and it doesn't do well, you're like, well, we did focus group and it got the best score, so it's not my fault, but if you just go with your gut and say we're going to run this thing and it doesn't work and it's like, oh, you know, you're know, you fired. So there's the process. I don't know if things are faster now because we used to spend maybe a year focus grouping a script and then another year like producing it, whatever. Things happen faster on the internet now.
1: Um, well, c- cycle times uh, have shrunk, no question. And that's a good thing. But, yeah. but what I find sometimes missing is the linkage back to strategy. It's like, let's get this done faster as opposed to saying, first of all, let's make sure it's right. Like, like let me give you an example. I'm, I'm constantly asked um, for my opinion on advertising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about this? What do you think about this commercial? What do you think about this and that? And I w- my answer to everybody is I have no idea. And of course, they're shocked at that. Of course, I should have an opinion, right? Yeah. After all, you know, our ad budgets were quite, quite high. But I would say to them, the reason I don't have an opinion is I need to know first what you're trying to achieve. If I don't know what your strategic context is, I am, I have no right to give you an opinion because I'm just giving you personal bias. Okay. So that linkage between strategy and executing in this case, uh, an ad campaign is exceedingly important. And sometimes for the sake of speed, it gets, it gets kind of like obliterated. It's not clear. It's not focused it gets vagueness popping in. So the worst situation is you could be finding the right answer to the wrong problem, you could find a solution, an ad campaign that is not tightly fitted to the strategy, in which case you look at the results. And that might explain why the results don't show.
0: Right, I just I just went through something like that, like a month ago, there's a woman who asks me sometimes to speak to her high school class over over zoom, and uh, she's teaching marketing, and she she had me review their radio ads. And so I listened to them, and it was for uh. chocolate-flavored broccoli. And, I, I, you know, I listened to them, and I was like, you know what? I, I like this one the best. She wanted me to rate them and pick a winner. And I said, this one's great because it's like uh, – I don't know. There was, I think it was Santa the zombie, or there, there were some with Santa, some with zombies. Like I'm a zombie, I need oh chocolate, chocolate, oh, and they eat the broccoli, whatever. And it was like funnily ad. And so I said, yeah, that's the winner. Look how creative it is. And the other ones were kind of just we're just talking about moms and stuff. And uh, but I thought about it for a day afterwards, and I was like, wait a minute, like I think I got hoodwinked by the, the, the fancy zombie and everything, because it occurred to me, well, what was the strategy here? It was probably to talk to moms and, and teach them, here's a way to get your kids to eat broccoli. You want them to eat healthy, and this is chocolate. So I, 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 looked, I listened to the spots again. I was like, no, there was one was like, hey, moms, like your kids aren't eating broccoli. It's like, I don't like broccoli. Well, now there's chocolate. And I realized that one was probably more on strategy and probably would have appealed more to the mom rather than just hearing a a zombie eating chocolate that didn't really have anything particular to do with broccoli or whatever. So I wrote a long thing again saying, by the way, actually, could you, uh, you know, I changed my mind. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so I felt bad because I didn't want the kids who were on strategy to think, oh, I guess we just weren't as funny. I'm like, that wasn't the thing. But that's the
1: key. That's the key. Like I, in my world, I call that line of sight leadership, Mm -hmm. okay? The, The audacious leader practices line of sight. They make it a point of directly linking the strategy to every function in the organization, Mm -hmm. literally. And I, I did that. So when we had a strategy to grow the business, which eventually got to where it got to everybody in marketing knew their role. Everybody in sales knew their role. Everybody in, um, internal audit knew their, their role. So, so it took, it's, it's extremely hard to do and time consuming, but because, uh, because success is based on execution, not the plan, I mean, I can take a mediocre plan and execute it brilliantly and beat the pants off anybody who 's got a pristinely described plan according to the books but can 't execute it right mm-hmm. So the execution piece requires line of sight what what 's happening in the in the in the example we 've just been discussing is you all were mesmerized by the creative yeah. Okay, and didn't ask the question, why are you doing that? Tell me the strategic imperative you are satisfying. And that's the questions. I always go to strategy and never do something for the sake of doing it unless I understand the context for it. And I think there's a lot of that going on in today's world as well with young professionals, particularly struggling in organizations to be successful one of the things I always ask them right up front is what's the strategy of your organization and mm-hmm. it, tell it to me in detail. And I have to say, um, not enough know it because if you're not informed on that, then the activity that you get involved in is not strategic and people won't notice other than the klutzes that are really, really excited about looking at busy people and they they'll eventually take care of themselves anyway. But the people who are going to, who are going to control your career in any frame of reference, they need to understand, and they will reward you for being driven by the key things your business or organization is trying to achieve. Just yeah. we just have to ask the right question, and, and I, I always I, ask it
0: That's way. good because I, I that was sort of my specialty as a copywriter. It still is, I guess. I'm still alive. Um, that I my stuff would be funny or interesting or whatever, but also relevant on strategy. Like the client at P&G is going to be like, well, no, we're trying to talk about how Tide is the, you know, powerful cleaner, or, you know, cinnamon corn pops have a crunch and like whatever their strategy is. And a lot of teams would just come up with like, hey, we made a funny thing. And at the end, we say cinnamon corn pops. And the client's like, well, and the focus groups are like, I don't understand what your point is. So they've called me their secret weapon. They would bring me in the end and say, here, Josh will solve this and do it in a way that Oh, now it makes sense. It's about corn pops, but look, he's holding the corn pop and it's talking about the crunch and it's the sound of the crunch. Like it's, it's, it's weaved through the entire commercial rather than the, here's a joke with a logo at the end. Yeah.
1: Uh, which I'll I think give you would be. Of, yeah. yeah that, I'll give you an example at a higher level. Okay, when, when, when our company uh, uh, started to get serious about providing cellular service, the strategy was to be the only, literally, the only organization that will be into a community when there's nobody there. In other words, said differently, we're gonna be first in with cellular service to every community. That was right. the goal, okay? Yeah. The advertising followed that. You know, what, we, what we ended up showing was creative that, that exhibited um, you know, advanced technology and new solutions and happier customers going into a wilderness. Right, and it right, was right. like breaking new ground. So the strategic, the strategic linkage there, the fit was tight, like you wouldn't believe it. Nobody would accept any creative of somebody, you know, sitting there on a on a on a cell phone, you know, talking to somebody, having a beer, totally irrelevant. And maybe a cute creative, right? Totally strategically irrelevant. And yeah. we just drove the hell was, and it, it ended up to be be first, be first, be first, be first right and and that campaign worked like a dam and competitively worked like a dam as well because we were first in taking some risks but hey you got to take risks
0: yeah and it's probably especially hard at a large company like that to to find something that sort of sounds unique and make everything drive towards it and especially with something that's a like a utility it's like talking it's like oh you know how do you differentiate yourself from the other two giant cell it, phone it's companies. not it's
1: not difficult no it just requires somebody people to focus on the challenge of doing it like i yeah. i can't tolerate i mean it's easy to say we have and I, I hear this from people who work in large companies well we can't do that because we're so large Bullshit. Hmm. that's not true what you're really saying is it's hard to do right because there's so many variables so many people etc cetera, etc cetera. well okay here's the deal if you don't like the environment get out of the environment But don't stay in the environment. Take the benefits you get and tell me you can't achieve what you need to achieve to drive results to satisfy shareholders. That's a non-starter with me. So I don't let people get away with that. Because you can chunk it down, okay? Think about it. 10,000 people in my data organization. We chunked it down into pieces and worked on pieces. You can always make smallness out of bigness if that's what you want, if that's what you have to do.
0: Well, that's a huge tip in life. Like, things seem overwhelming. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. What the heck does that mean? But if you chunk it down to, I'm going to have a glass of water with two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar every morning. That's something I can do. That's a thing. I'm going to get out of bed and first thing, go for an hour jog every morning. That's okay. Check. Like, if you Or if you have to chunk it down smaller, I'm going to put on my shoes the second I get out of bed. Like, whatever you need to do to get to where you're going, look at it in small pieces and you know, uh, I want to be as big as Joe Rogan. well, that's uh, how, how does that work? But I'm going to record a, a call with Roy, and that's you know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's my little piece today, kind of thing. so
1: well it's you know. it's it's true. One of the things I say to, to people, and I will to your listeners or viewers, I can't um, both is that in terms of be different, um, one of the things that 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 could work for you is tomorrow or today, after you've listened to this. I want you to do one single thing that's different that you've never done before. Just one little thing. doesn't have to be big, just a small little thing and give up something that's no longer relevant to your life.
0: Yes. Declutter start
1: that way. And the next day either repeat that, do something new or do two things new, whatever you're comfortable with. Yes. But as I call it progress by nano inches, like get an inch of progress fast. I call it a nano inch of progress, right? Just yeah. get those little things and start to move. The premise being, if you have the bell distribution curve, if you can move everybody in the middle, in that big bulge, Mm -hmm. if you can move them 5%, 2%, what an amazing change you're witnessing. Because the guys at the extremes, they're going to do what they're going to do, right? It's the people in the middle that you want to get changing. It's a classic kind of approach to it. Um, So do one little thing, different. Be different. Like, yeah. look, at, look at everything you do through a be different lens. And here's what worked for me. Are you
0: talking about there, be different in terms of compared to other people or, or a different thing that you've never done before?
1: It can be whatever. Yeah. Okay. Obviously. It can be whatever. Eventually, the whole, co- the whole notion of be different or be dead is competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it is a comparative. Okay. Do something that's different than everybody else to satisfy something that people care about. That's something they care about, which is important, right? Mm. And never forget the customer. Do something there. But one one cool way to get started is to just do it for yourself and learn your way into the comparative. That's what that's what it is. It's a continuum. So do that one thing. But the but and the way to get at it is through a lens, which you might want to use. It's like and it really worked for me, is everything, every time I was faced with something to do, I would always say, How can I do this differently? Okay. In brackets from anybody else. Right, right, okay. right. But it didn't start out that way. It, it started out, well, how can I do this differently than what I would normally do? And then it sort of grew into, okay, I've been given this project. I think I know how everybody else is going to approach this project. So how can I do it differently? And it, and it, it could be like more detail it could be using third party references, it could be my own personal twist, it could be the language I use, it could be the length, whatever. As long as it stood out. Let's go with that and try and figure out how it would it would look and see what the what, what the feedback would be. Yeah, I soon discovered that the feedback yeah. was amazing. People noticed that everybody else was doing the herd stuff. And I was out here pushing on the edges. Coloring outside the lines, doing different stuff. And they yeah. got to pay attention to that. And that helped make a change to the culture over time.
0: I think it's all, it's all about experiments, like in life or even in business. You, you can't do... You, it's, you can't figure out by just thinking about it, like what's going to work. You just have to try it. And and I mean you do your make your best guess, but just do it. Like I'm gonna start a podcast like I can't plan ahead a year and go, I'm gonna get this far by doing this, this, is no, just do it. Just start it and then Great. see okay, what's this podcast about? I'll keep adapting it, I'll keep changing it. Uh, same thing in business, exactly. I guess. You overthink things and you go, Oh, we need our strategies. Like you don't know what's gonna happen. Just do it and you know, see what's see what comes of it and hundred percent hundred
1: percent agree. Um I, I have this my only formula I ever have is um, you you need to spend only only twenty percent of your time on what you want to do, you need to spend eighty percent of your time on how you're going to do it, and in part it it gets to the trying thing, and the experimentation thing, and I call it planning on the run. I call it executing first, planning second. It's like building a world around getting stuff done. Yes, right. Yes, you, you can do that personally. And you back that, you start out with that in organizations that pontificate more than they produce, okay, yeah. which is one of the reasons that, that, you know, shareholders aren't happy and growth is stultified. All this stuff is based, we don't have leaders, audacious people, who are focused on execution. They're focused on trying to make the plan
0: pristine, according to some pundits in strategic planning. Yeah, like especially with things where you're advertising or marketing or any of this stuff, trying to turn into a science. It's not a science. If there was, if there was a, a way to turn into a science, then any company you doing the focus groups or whatever would be making a billion dollars. But we kept doing focus groups on commercials, and I'm like, none of this makes any sense. This is all, you know, I don't want to say they're con artists, but a lot of these companies that do market research, they, I mean, they're coming up with words to justify their existence, but nobody knows anything. Like you, It's kind of like in, in, when I took psychology in school, I took a class called the psychology of anomalous experience where they were talking about why people believe in horoscopes and ghosts and all that. And and our teacher was saying, listen, you know, people claim to have studies about uh, proving paranormal psychic abilities or whatever. But even, even if we did discover paranormal abilities one day, all these studies are useless. Like nothing they've studied is actually helpful. So I was kind of thing. It made me think of the same things about all this market research. It's like, None of this applies. Every time we're doing it, we're doing it from scratch again. There's nothing that works. You just have to, to do things. Um, so, it just so, me, I, I don't know. I was just looking at your examples of uh, of branding statements, like um, Starbucks and, and Disney, but also people's, like, because it seems, if you look at people's Instagram bios lately, it looks like they've all taken kind of the same entrepreneurship class where, they, where there's a formula where they say, I am a business coach who helped busy moms, uh, Make, make a six-figure income from home or whatever. And it, so they, they do seem to be missing the only part. They're just, they've they been taught, say what you do, which I guess is a step above what most people's Instagram bio would just be like, hey, let's have fun or whatever. So they're saying what they do, but you're, you're challenging people. That's okay, why? There's probably a lot of entrepreneurs who help busy moms or whatever. Like what, uh, what, what makes you different? And it, and, and it and, might be and hard. You know, yeah. it's, I, I was just going to say, it's, it's so easy to get sucked
1: into that. Like, as you're you're speaking, I'm thinking, damn, absolutely, I need to go back into my Podmatch bio, because there's some stuff in there I know. Like, I'm not eating my own dog food, okay? Like, when you do what you preach, I call it eating my own dog food, which some people think is kind. So so it's a great reminder. And and it's also a great example of the fact that we never get things right the first time, irrespective of what quality management is taught for years and years and years the important thing is are we open to change and are we willing to act when it's when it's appropriate to make the change i'll give you my brand statement yep you ready for this all right okay it says roy osing is the only author entrepreneur and executive leader who delivers practical and proven audacious unheard of ways to build high performing businesses and amazing careers. Now there's a reason that I branded Audacious Unheard of Ways, Hmm. because that's this. Nobody else can claim this because I Mm -hmm. branded it.
0: For those who are listening, he's holding up his book, Be Different or Be Dead by Roy Osing.
1: The Audacious Unheard of Ways, I took a startup to a billion in sales. So that's Ah. my latest book. Okay, that's the subtitle. So the only statement is about Practical and proven things like nobody does that they talk about what should work They talk about what's what's consistent with theories. Plus the other thing is nobody can claim to the book That there are audacious unheard of ways because that's a way to package the solution set that only I provide So the lesson in here and I keep telling people is if you're struggling with only branding you got to create a solution right that only you provide and then you claim that you're the only provider of that solution mm-hmm. and that's where you start so that's what I've done here nobody else does this
0: nobody i w- I wonder if i you, you know cuz cuz your whole i turned a company from uh, early days into a billion dollar brand or company i mean that that's something i would think probably nobody else can say kind of thing so maybe that should be incorporated into your statement kind of like you know roy is the only uh entrepreneur coach who has built a billion-dollar brand and now applies those strategies to your personal brand or something like that so if, if well, you can get the good. billion. Uh, email me what you just said. That's yeah. good.
1: I like that. All right. I'm not going to pay you for it, but you can email no, no. it to me, and, and I'll, yeah. I'll take a look at it. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't feel as comfortable with that because it's – well, I don't know why I feel comfortable because uh, I don't know that it's true. You see, one of the things is – Well, that's what I was going with... to ask
0: you about all these things. How do you know – like if, if I say I'm the only coach who does this, it's like sure. I'm the only guy who makes the best French fries in town. Yeah, what's well, the legal? Yeah. It,
1: it, first of all, it is a binary statement. It's either on or off. You right. either do it or you don't do it. And so what I do with people is once you have a draft only, and by the way, these are all drafts. Because they're all subject, always subject to change. Because you you can click
0: edit profile on your Instagram bio ten times a day if you want. So just keep moving (laughs) it. Yeah.
1: So what I do is I say, look, there's we got to test it, and there's two questions that we ask. Is first of all, does the only statement address something you care about, you value? Because if you claim you're the only one that does something that I don't care about, then it's a useless only statement, right? Mm -hmm. It's useless. The second question, so do I care about what you're claiming to be unique at? The second question is, is it true? Do I consistently deliver to that? So as, as a, just a, a, a brief way to, uh, to, to sort of see if it, if the only statement passes a regional test, I would ask them. So, so, so in terms of mine, what I would do is I would go down, in terms of the organization, I would go down to frontline people, and that's where I would start the testing. Because they are kind of like the the earphones uh, of the customers. They tell us exactly what customers are thinking. So if I if I have a claim that is completely out of sync with what they're getting, then I know it's 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 not addressing a need or a want, uh, or it's not true. So there is a testing process to go through in terms of what I just read you. And so so am I the only one that's taken a startup to a billion? Something tells me no doesn't mean it's not a pretty interesting achievement but there's got to be somebody out there that does it. Yeah. is am I the only one that's actually talking about simple proven concepts under the under the, the guise of or title of audacious unheard of ways yes, I am nobody else does that In fact nobody else talks about be different or be dead Google it
0: yeah nobody. See, which is interesting because I was gonna say I was gonna challenge you to say I, yeah, all, all, almost no company could actually come up with a legit worthy only, especially like, say you're talking about cell phone companies. So there's three in Canada. They're, they're so large. They're not really, if there was something unique about one of them, the other two would do it. Or same with banks. Like is BMO different from RBC? Different. No, but the difference becomes well, uh, sort of what they decide is, you know, TD is the, I don't, I don't know. They, they have longer hours. They're more customer focused. BMO is more conservative maybe. And they like the color blue. Like, I don't know. So, so I, I would think it could be a danger for, yeah. You don't
1: know. You're talking about yourself. I don't care whether you're blue. I mean, an example would be, you may think that blue is cool. I'm going to go ask customers whether that's something that they crave. No, they don't don't care. If they're colorblind, then it's not going to work. The other thing is there is always an opportunity to differentiate because if you say no, then you're literally a commodity business. And, and welcome to the world of price competition. And I feel sorry for your shareholders. Okay, there, there are points of uniqueness that need to be talked about. And I've sat, I've had uh, clients in a room where we have literally spent um, the better part of a day, we can get through this in a day, arguing, fighting as a, with an executive team over this very subject. And it is so important to do it. Because at the end of the day, if people says, say we're not special, my question is then why the hell are you in business? Why are you leaders? Can you not see what you're special in? People are paying you money. Why are they paying you money as opposed, you know, BMO, as opposed to CIBC? And through that dialogue, we actually get something that is workable to start, okay? But, but, but I, I, I really have a lot of difficulty with with people, especially businesses that yeah, they're up and running and they're working. They're doing something special. They're just not figuring out what it is and leveraging it to take it further.
0: Yeah, they're I'm all just special I've, in some way. I'm just afraid that people might uh you know, if somebody wants to be a life coach or a chef or whatever, they might they might think, oh if I have to say I'm the only thing, it's like there's nothing about me that that I'm the only you know it's like because there's a billion people there's got to be another podcaster who talks about entrepreneurship in a funny way or uh and so people might be afraid to even start or feel like but but on the other hand hang on they should be yeah yeah they should be
1: they should be afraid if they can't answer the question and i tell us the startup presidents all the time if you can't figure out why your your solution is unique you better take some more time figuring it out and don't go spend any money I mean, that's the right. reason that startups die, is they come up with a sameness idea, right? And they think that the technology is sexy enough that they can go and do it. So This is a due diligence associated with success. And you have to go through it. If you cannot find an answer to the question, then you should stop. And there's well, a couple of options. A couple yeah. of options. You go okay. find another idea, or yeah. you take a week off, clear your head, come back, and address the, the the challenge in a different way. What you shouldn't do is burn cash down a road that has no cheese at the end of it.
0: Yeah, because there's there's a lot of people trying to start businesses now. Like, you know, if you if you look at software companies, they'll be like, "Here, we'll sell you a clone of Uber." You know, it's like, "Oh, I can start another Uber." Uber's successful, but people don't realize. Okay, now I've got my other. Crappy version of Uber. Well, why would people use your Uber if there's Uber? Or, or there's a million dating apps. Okay, why, why am I going to switch to your dating app if Tinder already exists? So, I guess you do need to think about it rather than just. I mean, it works if you're in a local area. If I'm the only barber shop in a small town, I don't have to be the only barber shop in the world that cuts hair in a certain way. I just have to be. You know, you need to be around. So maybe it's different if it's an online business, possibly. Although what I hear on podcasts a lot is that, you know, your unique thing, if you're an individual uh, or a creator of some sort, is that there's nobody else like you. There's no other Josh. There's no other person with my exact personality. Although if you don't know me, you're like, what does that mean? So you'd have to still come up with a wave.
1: Here's my SW squared C. So what and who cares? You know, the, the the real question is to the SW squared C, the real question is how does Josh satisfy my specific uh, requirements, my needs, what I covet, what I value, how does he satisfy those in a way that no one else does?
0: This is what That's- I need to figure out for my dating life as well. If a woman's asking, how is Josh? You know, there's a million guys out there, a billion. You know, How are you? Why should I date you? Why should I bear your children? So, so, so part of it is...
1: Is the definition of the customers that you decide are your target okay so one way of shrinking the universe to talk about the only is to say this isn't about um the world right this isn't about north america this is about area code 416 businesses businesses in area code 416 okay those are going to be my customers now the question is who else in the podcasting world are going after those clients. What do we know about them? What's their value propositions, USPs? What are their, do they even have an only statement? So by shrinking the, the the target and then looking at competition within that target, you now can have a better chance of coming up with a meaningful only statement, okay? And you might decide, ooh, no, no, four one six isn't a place to go because wow, I mean this this is a lot going on here. I got so you can do this. You can you can move the pieces around to try and and find something that does make sense, um,
0: and and you need to do that for
1: sure. So that, it's not the
0: world. So that's how an online business can can adapt. What I was just saying in terms of the barbershop shop thing, like if you're the only barber in town, you don't have to be like the exactly. most unique barber in the world. So online. I'm like, okay, you still, you know, focus on your audience. Okay, I'm the, I'm the funny entrepreneur guy. Well, maybe there's a million funny entrepreneur guys, but maybe I'm the funny entrepreneur podcaster who talks about Toronto businesses or whatever, you know, or... or uh, you're the only one. I'm the only,
1: yeah, yeah. You're the only one that
0: does that. And, and if, if that's something that
1: people care about, Josh, then that's a good thing to say. If they don't give a damn
0: then it's right. not a good thing to say. Right. I can the say I'm the only is... podcaster that wears a red t-shirt. Well, that's so, you know, <laughs> so who cares, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: That's an S W squared C, right? They tell me something that matters to me. So there's a ways of doing this. And it's, it's very, it's very enlightening, whether you're a, a solopreneur or whether you're the CEO of a large company, the same process works. I take people through the same process, lifestyle stuff, same, it's the same works. And, and you won't find it anywhere. I'm the only one that does the only. The only,
0: only one who does the
1: only. Wow, it's double only here. That's an only square. You might math. Yeah.
0: yeah, and is it, is it that you're the only one who actually does this thing or the only one who calls it the only? Like, how can you be the only guy who talks about having a unique benefit?
1: I'm not. I'm the only one that talks about the only and has a process to achieve it. Right. Everybody so Everybody talks of... about unique selling propositions. Right. So... I mean, that's like having... That's like having grape nuts for breakfast, for God's sake.
0: I was Googling that yesterday. My mom was like, Where's, how come there's no more grape nuts? And they don't sell them in Canada anymore. I was looking it up and everything.
1: Put some strawberries in them.
0: If you can get I'm, grape nuts. I said, look, they're on Amazon, but it was like $15 a box because they're being shipped from England. <laughs> they're, they're missing a market. How hard can it be to make grape nuts? If people want it that badly, just make some grape nuts. Yeah. Anyways, but I would put strawberries in it. But uh, what the heck are we talking about? Why did we talk about grape nuts?
1: Well, because we're talking about the only statement and how how important it is to apply that, particularly to, to commodity businesses. People might say a cereal business is a commodity. And unless right. you're able to communicate some added value that people care about around that, that solution, eating solution, then, then you're going to be competing on price. And that's a horrible right. place to be.
0: Especially now no that money. there's Amazon and I can scroll through and find the cheapest of anything.
1: Yeah, and if you have economies of scale and scope, then you can afford to do that. But most most businesses don't have that luxury, so they have to be they have to carve out, I call it carving out a very a special place for them in the customer's mind. And that's how to think about this. What what position in the mind of the customer I'm after? Do I want to occupy? Do I want to be known for um, the 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 funny the the entertainer? Mm-hmm. Do I want to be known and known as the business information provider? What do I want to be known as? And that's yeah. that's part of the work that, because you have choices and you just have to pick the one that represents the best opportunity for you and and gives you some differential advantage capability. That's yeah. that's the name of the game.
0: And that's the definition of branding. That's why people pay extra for Tide, even though there's a million detergents that clean and that yeah, some well, are cheaper yeah
1: they, they've grown into that the problem is the statements don't say it yeah right so so what you have to do what i'm saying is explicitization for customers right when they have a choice yeah. is exceedingly important
0: yeah and the, the statement
1: yeah. explicitizes it yeah saying words and i call it claptrap like better best leader number one premium oh, i hate all, all this stuff all, every web. yeah everybody says that right yeah we the premium. we have the best uh, we've been in business for a uh, hundred years. So what and who cares? Yeah. Don't how care. Does that?
0: Yeah, it doesn't benefit me Don't at all. Don't care. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I
1: mean, there's a lot of sacred cows that, that need to be um, dealt with. Killed humanely.
0: In a kosher way. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great lesson for just any individual who's, I mean, it can apply to anything. Even if you just want people to follow your Instagram. Well, why should I follow you? You are the only... You know, whatever da 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 da. You know, apply it to yourself, apply it to your life. Because even when I do anything, like I, I tell somebody I'm going to do some copywriting for them, or or come on my podcast, you know, people are always like, "Well, why? What's wh- what's your show? Why would I do this? What's why would I hire you over someone else?" You, you gotta you gotta know, and you gotta have it ready.
1: Yeah. The, so you just nicely described the the two criteria. Why does it matter? Yeah. And why pick me? Two yeah. questions. Right, And so and if you can't answer both, answer the first one first, because I understand what your cravings are. Yeah, that's why it matters, because you yeah. like this sort of stuff. And I've figured that out. And then the second question goes to and you should put pick me because. All right. So that's I mean, that's a pretty straightforward piece of work that you yeah. will not find anywhere else. I am the only one that does that, Josh.
0: Yeah, no, I know you like crunchy cereal and grape nuts is the crunchiest. It's basically like little pebbles in a bowl. No, you use the I-E-S-T. You never use
1: an adjective with I-E-S-T on it.
0: Uh, Anything-est,
1: because that's a comparative, right? Oh. That's like, like better, best, crunchiest, you know, coolest. No, oh. so no. Would it,
0: well, okay, would it be something like, I know you like crunchy food, and we're the only cereal that provides the crunch that rattles your skull?
1: No, that's too cute. All I don't. Right. I don't care about getting my skull rattled.
0: All right. It's we like were... I'm the
1: only provider of great nuts flakes that will give you the opportunity to win a, a trip to Hawaii every year for the rest of your life for four people. Boom. Ooh.
0: All right. I'll I'll collect my, uh, you know, barcodes from my great now, nuts so I can. If you don't my...
1: like traveling to Hawaii, then I've missed the mark. But if you do. There, and but you may very well say i can't
0: get that from cheerios
1: yeah well, roy and will offer it to me through great
0: and that's the thing i think we need to remember too is that you're not going to be for everybody there's no no business no comedian nothing on earth that applies to every single person like even facebook it's like eh, you know that's the old person's site or whatever like there's always going to be something else but no but if you find your tribe you find your people then, you know, there's an audience for for me, you know. So so don't be afraid to take a stand. And I think that's you know, goes back to what you're branding. A lot of these companies are afraid to oh well we're the cell phone company for everybody. But you know, 'cause we're afraid that if we say, well, we're the first or we go to the woods or whatever, now you're leaving something else behind, but you have to you have to take a stand for something, otherwise you stand for nothing.
1: Oh, exactly right. That's why mass markets don't exist. And yet everybody most people market to them. I mean you right. have to you have to decide who you are. And who you want to cater to?
0: Yeah, okay, I even yeah, I've just I I think of it in terms of these days of like YouTube. Like I never blew up on YouTube, but it's more because, well, <laughs> I mean obviously I'm very talented and handsome, but I never picked a niche. It's just like and oh yes by the way very modest. modest yes, yeah. um, but it's it, you know it's like I, I'm like here's what I eat for lunch. Here's a funny podcast. Here's my stand-up comedy. But then. You know, think of it in terms of if you have to click on a YouTube channel, what is my category or Instagram? Like, what is this page about? That's how it'll show up in people's feeds. And if I like conservative comedy, I'm going to find you. If I like liberal comedy, I'll find someone else. You can't just be I'm the everything guy because you'll never show up in anybody's feed.
1: Why do, you, why do you think that they have Pinot Noirs grouped together in a liquor store?
0: Right. Because I'm looking if I want Pinot Noir, I'm going to go to the Pinot Noir section. There's no. So you're not going to you know. find a cab behind a Pinot Noir uh truer words were never spoken Blech. i don't know. <laughs> we, my parents bought they brought home wine the other day uh i think it was a bit cheaper or something and my mom liked the label and i was like what is this and and i googled it and it's like oh this is a special sugar free wine for people who can't have carbs and it's and i looked up a review and they're like this is the driest awfulest wine and so whatever i don't know what my point is but it's uh <laughs> Well, yeah, it's not for you. It, it, <laughs> but, it, but it is for people who can't drink sugar somebody. wine. Yeah, it exactly. They're, they're niche. And they didn't say we're going to make a, a drier, bad-tasting wine just for the sake of it. It's like, no, some people can't drink the sweet wine. So.
1: Yeah, exactly yeah. right.
0: Yeah, so, But who somehow
1: we lose that. People lose that whole uh, objective.
0: Yeah, and I would when think they... you could even, you know, even if you're afraid to take a niche or take a stand, you can do different things now. If you're like, oh, but I don't want to... You know, I, I like doing conservative comedy, but I also like liberal. Then have two YouTube channels, throw things that like, you know, why not do a podcast on two different things or uh, or if you're a brand, you can have two different detergents and sort of go after different markets. But each one should have their own unique thing. Right. Yeah. See, people love it's easier to, for people to play at the tactical level. That's what we're
1: discussing right now. It's easy. To talk about using YouTube or using you know posting on uh, different different platforms yeah. that's the easy part the yeah. difficult part is what are you trying to do because the platform you choose should be the one that best satisfies the strategy you've just created for yourself it's got to right. be the best and ideally ideally if you could pick one platform to deliver your 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 what I call how big goals your growth goals Mm-hmm. Then you do that. You don't play in other ones. Chances yeah. are you're going to need more than one. So, okay, what's two? But don't yeah. start out thinking you've got to do them all. It's right. crazy.
0: Then you it's wind crazy. up doing nothing. Yeah.
1: You just, well, you just don't deliver. To, well, if you don't have a strategy, it's fun. If you yeah. do have a strategy, it doesn't deliver to your goals. And most people don't have a strategy. They don't. Right. So they yeah. have no way to evaluate the options that they've just considered.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's true. Like most people would start up, I guess it's a balance. It's like, you should just start it. Like for, you know, I keep hearing the story, about I think it's Jenna kucher who, who's a huge business entrepreneur podcast life coach now, but she started off with just a cooking blog. And then people kept asking, well, how do you make a blog? How do you get an audience? And she's like, oh, and she was giving advice on that. And so she merged into something else. Or uh, Kathy Heller started off teaching uh, she was a songwriter for commercials, but people kept asking, how do you do that? So she had made a class where she taught people how to do that. And that merged into a podcast that makes tens of million dollars a year, just teaching people how to uh, be creative and, and work in their passions. So, but you couldn't ever have gotten there without just starting with something else and then adapting at the time. Or even oh, if you're wow. a big, yeah, I was going to say, no, just I'm if you're a big Viner, you know, Vine changes, it disappears. Now it's TikTok, so You can't just, it'll change. You got to adapt
1: you have to or or you or you're dead that's another yeah. way to get to death um, but th- there's the, the whole experiential piece is, is underused in in offerings okay the individual you just described i suspect uh understood that they for some reason were able to connect with people and engage with people to create an experience for them that they couldn't get somewhere else and she may mm-hmm. not even be able to articulate exactly what that experience was composed of. What she knew is she had followers. And so she earned the right then to try other things with them. And that's incredibly important. A lot of times um, we have the ability to actually incorporate experience in the competitive analysis work that we do, and we don't do it because for some reason people think it's soft. It's Mm. not soft, it's really hard stuff. People
0: buy on how they feel, not not what they get. 100%, yeah. That's so. the thing. It's like I'm buying a BMW. That's I, to you.
1: Yeah, that's important to you, and what you do. To to me personally. Well, in terms of your podcast. Yeah, how I want people. Feel? And at the yeah, end of the day, are you asking them how did you feel? Scale of one to five. How did you feel? Okay, give me a give me a follow up questionnaire with no more
0: than five questions, and it's all about perception and feelings. Yeah, and I and I think what I want to do. Originally, when I started the podcast, I thought, oh, I'm going to interview celebrities or I'm going to talk about celebrity gossip because I want to be in Hollywood and talk to Jennifer Lawrence or whatever um but but I, I just started talking to people about business or what they do, getting their life tips, and I was like, yeah like and, and what I'm interested in is learning to be healthy, learning to be happy, learning how to make money, and I want people to feel inspired and I don't because I, the technical stuff, like how to start a YouTube channel or how like people can go read a blog. They can read an article. They can read a book like that. That's technical stuff. I don't think I'd be bringing anything extra by having somebody read an article about how to do these things. So this is more, you can learn tips, but it's motivation. It's feeling good coming out of it. Like I, when I listen to podcasts every morning during my hour jog, I want to feel inspired. Like, yeah, I can take on the day. I learned some tips, but I'm motivated. I've seen people overcome challenges. I want to fire people up. I want to spark the genius within them. Oh yeah, I forgot to say the name of my podcast at the bidding. I'm supposed to say, uh, <laughs> "Welcome to Spark the Genius, the podcast. I'm Spark the Genius, the host, and I'm here to spark the genius within you." That's my intro. <laughs> I'm glad I found it. Timing is everything. Yeah, but that's a good idea to remember. How am I trying to make people feel? And ask people, "Are are you feeling it?" And then I guess just to wrap it up. Um, so, the, you know, you were the, the marketing guy at this big company, and now you're, um, like, what would you call yourself? Like, are you a coach? Do people find you and hire you as a coach? Or do you give speeches? You wrote your book? Like...
1: Yeah, I mean, my website pretty well tells everybody who I am. It's bedifferentorbedead.com. I can be reached there. And uh, you can, I blog every week. So if you want to get access to my, my unheard of audacious ways, you can do it through my, uh, through my blog. Yeah. Um, you can get access to my seven books, including my latest one, which is now out in ebook format, and and will be out in print version May the 31st, um, which is uh, the audacious, unheard of ways I took a startup to a billion in sales, and it, it's basically a, an updated version of a book that I wrote uh, 13 years ago. I mean, the content is more relevant today than it was then. It's withstood the test of time. It captures the imagination of people, and it's updated. So I, I would really uh, appreciate it if people could uh, avail themselves of that. And and you know, I'm not trying to be prescriptive in my work here. What I'm trying to do, because I don't I don't have the right to tell people what to do. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at my stuff is that it's a, it's a compendium of things, practical, simple things that really worked. And I hope people are excited enough about the outrageousness of some of the ideas to actually give them a try. And if they do, then it's been a good day for me, Josh. And that's what I'm grateful for you to allow me to, to talk about this stuff yeah. because it's, uh, as I say, it, I, I'd like to see the conversation advanced and changed around it.
0: Does it make you feel good to help people? Like you've worked your, your life building brands and stuff for a company and now you're like, I, I just want to help people and, and make them feel good and help, I don't know.
1: I, I definitely want to help people um, with with uh, stuff that I think will be fun for them. They will enjoy yeah. doing it and at the same time achieve the things that they want to achieve. Absolutely
0: right. Can I just ask a quick question about your website? Because I'm, I'm always thinking, like, what should my website be, like, instead of just my old WordPress or blogger thing? Like, how do you – is it a WordPress you have or, like, how do you write the blog? It's not a sub stack. It's like a –
1: Oh, I, well, first of all, I had a, a guy in, in Vancouver uh, yeah. design it for me 100 years ago. And we've kind of modified it along the way. Okay. I manage my own content, so I write my own blogs. I post my own blogs. I, I control yeah. the content on the website, which is awesome. which is great because I have to learn how to do this. I mean, I had an executive assistant that did all the stuff for me. I had to yeah. learn to do it myself,
0: and that's been incredible. So, um, yeah. That's great, and I love to see people that – that adapt and change. Like a lot of people are like, Oh no, I, you know, when I was 20, this didn't exist. So I'm never going to do it or whatever, but there's no reason. And I, I keep reminding, like when I'm telling my parents how to use their phone or their computer, I'm like, all this stuff is designed to be as easy as possible. They want you to be able to use it. Nobody's trying to trick you and make it difficult to write a blog. Exactly. Like just, just Google it. And like literally anything like, uh, you know, I was going for a ride with my parents recently and my dad's got a new car, um, that has, uh, Predictive cruise control or whatever, but he didn't know how to use it. He's like, "Oh, we're gonna have to go to the dealership and all this." I'm like, "Listen, let me just Google Camry predictive, whatever." And it's like, "Here, in two seconds, press that button." Like, there's and, and a anybody on everything, everything. Yeah. It's everything. This did not I exist use it before for
1: home repairs and stuff like that.
0: Everything. Always it. Yeah. yeah, and it's amazing. So it's like, just take advantage of that. Ask the internet. Don't be afraid, and and or ask somebody else. There's always a Facebook group, or somebody will walk you through something. So. Or, or, you know, message me or message Roy and, and we'll, we'll answer your question on air or something. I don't know, something like that.
1: So I have one last, I have a, an offer for you to consider and your, uh, and your audience. All right. And I call it A Audacious Forward. So the offer is, if anybody wants to buy a book, which they can do from me now, because I do have printed versions, it's not in the bookstores, but I have access to them as the author. If somebody wants to buy a book, from me at friends and family rates, um, then I will send that person a free signed copy of the book. So they'll buy one, get one free, and it's signed by Roy. And uh, uh, hopefully, when they pay it forward, it uh, it interests other people to pay attention to the content and have fun with the content as well. So I offer that to your audience, Josh. Thank you. So how so? Uh, so how, how will it? that work? Yeah. Yeah. How just, does that? Yeah. Well. <laughs> It's going to be messy because I don't have a big, strong logistical Weider. system in place. Yeah. So All message
0: Roy, say you listen to the podcast. And send them uh, to
1: gmail, roy.osing at gmail.com, and we'll figure it out.
0: Say, I want the it's promo code spark the Genius.
1: No, pay <laughs> no.
0: audacious forward.
1: Oh, right, pay
0: audacious <laughs> forward.
1: And okay. we'll get addresses, and I'll arrange to ship it myself and personalize service. That's
0: and I'm awesome. the only one that does that, by the way. The only one, of course. Of course. That, yeah, exactly. Well, he practices what he preaches. And I'll, you I've go. got an Amazon influencer page, so I'll add your seven books to my recommended books. I'll probably Thank need you. a whole Roy Ossing o- section and not just books I recommend. Thank so that's you. Exciting. Thank you. Cool. You're welcome. And, and I'll see if I can even post this video on my Amazon influencer page so people can click right somewhere to buy the book and go. all of that. Let me but know I'll, where it
1: is, Josh. Let me know where I, it is.
0: I will, and I'll put the description under YouTube and in the podcast and blah, 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 blah. All right. I'm very excited. Well, thank you for pumping me up today. See, I feel good. I feel inspired. That's how you made me feel. Like, and it's like school. Like, I don't remember hardly anything I learned in school, but you sort of remember how it made you feel, and it sort of burns things into your gut so that you react in a way that maybe you can't identify. But now I'm sure I'll be doing big audis- audacious things now without even knowing That's
1: it. Good. I'm delighted I can help.
0: All right. So again, go to what is it? Better red than dead? No, that's I'm making that up. That's a... be,
1: different, be different or be dead.com. Be and different. it's the only be different or be
0: dead out there. The only one. The only one, of course. Well, thank you for being the only guest I've interviewed today, Roy. <laughs> and uh, thank we'll... you very
1: much. I'm great, grateful to uh, have the opportunity to be with you, Josh. I really mean that.
0: All right. Come back anytime. Maybe when your next book launches, we'll discuss that again or something.
1: There you go.